Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, and I just wanted to tell you about the ways to follow me. So if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what platform you're on, but I'm on all of the podcast platforms, Google, Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and you can also follow me on my social media for those of you who found me through your podcast platform and not on social media. Some people have been following me on Instagram or Facebook, and that's how they learned about the podcast. But for those of you who learned about my podcast first, please feel free to follow me on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. The doctor is abbreviated as DR, and there's no period, so it's DR Delvina, which is spelled D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. And let's see, I have a website. I mentioned before that the website was under construction, but the website is up and good to go. It is Dr. Delvina Help. So again, the DR is abbreviated DR, D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A, Help, H-E-L-P as in Papa.com, DrDelvinaHelp.com. So please go to my website, take a look peruse the site and see what's going on there and uh, I'm also let's see where else am I I'm in SoundCloud as well but I'm not as active on SoundCloud as I am with my um, with my podcast you know this podcast has been up since May 2020 during the pandemic and um, I just love talking about the brain and helping to educate people about their mental health and wellness so please spread the word tell a neighbor tell a friend tell a family member Tell a loved one, tell a significant other, tell your ex. If there's something I've t- I touched on that really that you identify with and you want to share it with someone, share it, please. Hey, guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina and it's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. And so I did something different that I that I don't ordinarily do. I went live unannounced on Facebook on my personal page, which is Venadol, V-E-N-A-D-O-L-L. And you guys know I have a Facebook page as well, which is Dr. Delvina. That's D-R. The doctor is abbreviated. Delvina, D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. So I uh, record these podcasts for the Brain Love Podcast, and I have guests who come on the couch, and I have a guest today, and I'm sharing um, this interview with my guests as we go live right now on Facebook. I have with me Dr. Yolinda Renee Rockman. Hello. Hey, hey. (laughs) How are you? I am amazing. Looking forward to being on the couch. Perfect. So am I. And I'm so glad that you're on the couch. And so I didn't even ask you my magical question, which, by the way, is pending trademark. Are you ready to take the couch? I am ready. So Doc, you rock is what you go by. Yes. Yes. And um, you and I, we spoke a long time ago. um, And, you know, I I consider myself a very um, 
diligent, specific, intentional type person. So I hold on to emails, I hold on to messages, and I make little notes to myself to circle back to certain situations. And I remember we were conversing um, some time ago, and I was very intrigued by your profession and what you've decided to do with your profession, which folks, by the way, her website is ulindarenee.com. That's Y-U-L-I-N as in November, D as in Delta, A. R-E-N-E-E.com. Um, we have the same middle name. Is that your middle name, Renee? Yes. That's my middle name too. <laughs> TMI, TMI. Synchronicities. So, yes, yes. So Dr. Rockman is uh, called, as I told you guys, DocuRock. She's a licensed clinical professional counselor, a board certified kink conscious sex therapist a certified divorce mediator and a certified relationship coach with a doctorate in clinical psychology, which I'm sorry, psychology, clinical sexology, which is why I'm calling her Dr. Rockman. She is a researcher of sexual trauma, therapeutic BDSM and creator and author of a resource for sexual trauma healing titled A Power Exchange With Your Pain, A Guide Towards Reconciliation With Self. It's available on Amazon. She actually has two books on Amazon, um, The Power Exchange and also Healing the Angry Black Woman, The Research. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of stuff to dig into with you. Let's get it. So the first thing I want to ask you, where are you located? Chicago. That's what it was. (laughs) Remember Chicago now, see, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. So shout out to the people in Chi-Town. Y'all, so you don't have the taste anymore, right? The taste. You know, they brought it back last year. So we'll see what they do this year. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So guys, we're, we're pre-recording tonight's episode. Um, you know, sometimes on the, I'm on the couch live, but we had to kind of, we had to pre-record this episode. This is playing in July, which is why you heard me ask about the taste because it's the end of June right now, sort of the end of June. Um, July is minority mental health awareness month. And I wanted to talk to Dr. Rockman because there's a lot of trauma in the minority communities, especially the black community, the African-American community, community, the Caribbean community. Um, And so I wanted to talk with Dr. Rockman so she can talk about uh, more about what she does so folks who need her can go and see her, but also so we can have this discussion about trauma and about healing. She's in Chicago, but I'm sure, Doc, can folks see you for coaching who live in other states? Yes. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get that out the way right now. And um, talk to people. Tell us, what is a board-certified kink-conscious sex therapist, please? So being kink-conscious means that I have the capacity to hold space for those who might be in non-normative relationships, might have non-normative or kink sexual practices. So whether or not they're in a BDSM community, poly community, whether or not they're asexual. So I can hold space, meaning that I can be empathic, non-judgment. So when they come and they have normal issues, they don't have a therapist that is side-eyeing them because of the the community that they happen to be a part of, which is kink. So what actually is this kink community? So those who consider themselves, kink is an umbrella term. So a lot can fall under that. So you can have those who are part of the BDSM community, those who might be um, poly swingers. There's so many things that fall under it. It could be someone who considers themselves who might have 
different fetishes, you know, that those type of things fall under the umbrella. So again, non-normative sexual practices or relationships. Okay. And then, so BDSM, is that under kink as well? Yes, it is. Okay. And tell us what does BDSM stand for? So BDSM is bondage. So for those who like rope play or for those who like to be saran wrap, things like that, discipline is the D or the dominant. So those people who are the ones who are the leaders or the ones who are giving or providing the power exchange, they're the one in control, right? And then you have the, the S, which is sadomasochism or sadism, and then you have the sub. So a sadist is someone who gets pleasure out of administering pain or humiliation, right? That's the S. Or then you have the sub, which is the person who is on the receiving end of receiving the humiliation, the pain, or someone who just does not want to be in control. So they relinquish their control to their partner. And then the M is the masochism, someone who received pleasure from experiencing pain or humiliation, BDSM. Okay. So, uh, so doc, who would see you for this, the kink conscious therapy? Um, so I understand as folks who practice um, kinky, I don't mm -hmm. want to say kinky, well, I'm going to say kinky practices. Mm -hmm. What would drive them to want to see a therapist for their kinky practices? Hear me here. So um, we know that sometimes certain fetishes are created because of something that has happened during childhood. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and a lot of times there's trauma that um, is a part of that equation also. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to clarify and say that folks in all realms have had trauma. So the folks who are in atypical types of lifestyles, and I'm asking you this question because I want to tease it out for my listeners and for the audience so they understand everybody yes. needs therapy. Mm -hmm. That's where I was going with it. Yes, exactly. So those who are happen to be in the kink community are not more exposed to trauma or more prevalent to having trauma than anybody else, but they can Right. And so, for an example, I had someone reach out to me on FetLife. FetLife is a like Facebook for kinky folks. Right. And they reached out saying, hey, are you someone that works with sexual trauma? Right. But she felt comfortable reaching out to me because I am someone that can hold non-judgmental space for someone who happens to be into BDSM or into mm -hmm. kinky practices and not assume that their trauma is predicated on them being in the BDSM community. There right? it is. That, mm -hmm. Say that again. Their trauma is not predicated by them being. Yes, in the BDSM or any other kink community. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So what are some, let's speak in general terms now, what are some of the things that a sex therapist can, can um, assist individuals with who are coming to you for therapy? Because everyone always thinks that, oh, I'm going to a sex therapist because I don't, I don't like sex. I don't want to have mm -hmm. sex. I don't mm -hmm. like intimacy. Um, and, and so those things probably, they do fall under the umbrella for someone who's seeking uh, therapy with a sexologist. Mm -hmm. um, what, other, what other challenges or issues can you assist people with? Well, for me, my specialty is sexual trauma. So that's what I specialize in. But then you have those who might be sex offenders. You might be on either side of that. You might be someone who is dealing with porn addiction. You might have someone that might be dealing with, um, like you said, desire or arousal issues or someone who might be in a relationship where there is a mismatch in uh, libido, 
right? And so they might want to come to a sex therapist to help them find some common ground. Or you might have someone who's in a poly relationship or they want to explore ethical non-monogamy, but they need someone to help them kind of navigate that where they can do it in an ethical way without creating or minimizing any potential harm. So those are some reasons someone might come to a sex therapist. Now, um, this is no question is silly because if you don't know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, polyamorous or polygamy, um, polygamous, mm -hmm. um, are those considered, are they in the umbrella of kinky? Now that's interesting because polyamorous could be considered under kink, but polyandry and... Um, it's polyandry and what was the polygamy, right? Those are not necessarily considered kink. Those are marital and those could be cultural, right? And so depending on which culture and they would not necessarily consider it kink and it might even be offensive. So we kind of got to be nuanced in how we use the language. So not necessarily, I'll just put it like that. <laughs> Good, perfect. Yeah, because, you know, we're so used to what we're used to. Yes. And, um, and Americans are so good at... Um, being in, just uh, imposing their standards, their wills, what they believe in and on other cultures, other countries. Mm -hmm. um, and because if it's not done the way that we do in America, then that makes it wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you said in some cultures, um, polygamy, that is a, a, an acceptable societal norm for them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Polygamy, meaning many multiple wives and then polyandry is multiple husbands and then polyamorous is multiple loves, which may or may not be sexual relationships. So when we think poly, we a lot of folks automatically think, oh, you're just having sex with a lot of people that may or may not be the case. Right. Yeah. A lot of times it has a lot to do with them uh, creating their legacy. Mm -hmm. um, so, all right, perfect. Now, um, one of the books that you wrote, A Power Exchange with Your Pain, A Guide Towards Reconciliation with Self. Mm -hmm. um, so that that book is focused on sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. Yes. What are some of the challenges that people have in accessing mental health care for a past trauma? Why do you think so many people, you know, of course, you know, I know the answer to this, but <laughs> I do this show because I want to help my people, the listeners. Yes. I want to make them more informed, better informed. What stops people from accessing care if it's going to heal them? Well, it's so many different reasons, but one is a lot of times we don't even know that what we've experienced is trauma. Boom. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so normalized that we just consider it as, well, this is just what it is. It just is what it is. And we don't even think to assign the language of trauma to our own stories. Like, that don't, that ain't talking about me, but it is though. Neglect mm -hmm. is trauma. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many different things we just don't associate with trauma. So we don't see a reason to seek out. Yeah, help. right. And, you know, and I think also people are um, afraid of the revelations, mm. the things that they will learn about themselves mm -hmm. and seeing someone about their trauma, not just the perpetrator or the person who violated them, but the things that they'll learn about themselves, themselves as the victim mm -hmm. and themselves as the older, later victim. Mm. And I'll never forget what someone said to me, um, this is a young lady who I see on a regular basis because I go to her for services, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, beauty services or whatever. 
And she started talking to me one day and she mentioned how she was uh, molested mm -hmm. and sexually abused as a child growing up. She was the oldest of her uh, brother and her sister. And she told me, and this is not the first person who said this to me. She said that she accepted this sexual abuse because she didn't want the perpetrator to then turn on her brother or turn to her brother, turn to her sister, and then begin to molest and sexually abuse them because of mm -hmm. her saying no, her having the ability to say no. So she felt like she was um, doing this on behalf of the family. Mm. Do you hear that a lot? You know, I've heard those type of stories. And one of the things that really made me go into being a sex therapist is that when I was just in my private practice, I used the number 90%. That's a loose, fast number. But 90% of my clientele had experienced some form of sexual trauma, male, female, black, white, old, young, whatever. And it was so prevalent that I felt it was my duty to get more educated in how to create a safer space and provide resources because it is just... you. If there's three people, the chance that two of them have experienced some form of sexual trauma is likely. That's how prevalent it is. Yeah. yeah. I think I read somewhere that one in four Black women mm. is this the statistic that I saw. Yeah. And that's low, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Because you got to account for all the women who are ashamed to say anything or don't want to revisit those memories. So they just check the no mm -hmm. all the time or they don't seek uh, they don't seek care. Um, that same young lady told me during another one of my appointments mm -hmm. that at some point in time, she started to to like what was happening to her. And she carried that guilt for over 20 years mm -hmm. because she knew it was wrong. But there was a point in time when she. Her perception is that she liked it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I told her. You shouldn't feel guilty about that because sometimes we make ourselves believe mm -hmm. that we like something so that we can cope and deal with it. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what you were thinking as a child, like you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they set it up so you feel special, right? You might have special time. You might get gifts. They, they created, you're groomed especially when this is happening in childhood, they groom it so that you feel special. And we are, human beings, our limbic system is what rules our sexual urges. So your body might appreciate it. It might enjoy it. It might feel good to your body, but that doesn't mean your soul is enjoying it. That's so powerful. You know, that is so powerful. It does not mean that your soul is adjoined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the very essence of who we are, we are animals, mm -hmm. we're mammals. Mm -hmm. People hate when I say that, but um, those are those are qualities about us that we share with the rest of the mammal kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can walk and talk and um, there are so many differences, obviously, but at the, the very basic level, the limbic system, there are certain things you cannot get away from. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about monogamy? Is it natural or not? <laughs> you, <laughs> you put that in a hot seat with that one, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, you know what? I feel because if we think about it, we say is monogamy, is that natural? Is asexuality natural? It exists, right? So if it exists, then it's natural. I'll mm. put it like that. <laughs> I got out of that one. <laughs> Great. I, was, I was just about to say, 
we are not finished. You are not getting out of that question um, because polygamy exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's our, is it spontaneous or more natural for us to be attracted to more than one person? Or do you think the natural tendency is for us to only be attracted to one person and not several people? You know, I think it's based in evolution. I think it's based on need. You know, at a point in time, it was necessary that the masculine goes out there and spread their seed in order to populate. You know what I mean? As we evolve, that need isn't as prevalent. It's just like food, right? We don't need to eat every damn thing in sight because it's not necessary because we're not living a Neanderthal life. So what we needed then doesn't necessarily mean we need it now, but those innate urges probably still exist. Now, what do we do as higher level beings? That's up to us. You know what I mean? Um, is it right or wrong? I don't, I don't subscribe any type of whether or not it's it's good or bad or right or wrong. It just it is, right? right. And yeah. if people are doing it in a way where everybody's in agreement, then do you? Okay. No judgment zone. No judgment zone. As long as people are safe. Mm-hmm. They're being safe and they're not causing harm to others, then no judgment zone. Exactly. So at times, folks who have been exposed to traumas, they have triggers. Mm-hmm. They have triggers. And the common question I always get is if I'm triggered by something, does that mean I haven't healed? My mm. answer to that is always no. Mm-hmm. I don't think you being triggered means you haven't healed. Mm-hmm. My answer is that I believe that your brain stores a lot of memories. There's nothing we can do about that. Mm-hmm. And so when something happens that makes you think of something from your past or, you know, it could be a smell, it could be a sight, it can be any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You might feel something, you might have a reaction or a response. Mm-hmm. But I'd like your professional opinion about that. No, I actually agree with that. It's not the whether or not you're triggered. It's what do you do? How do you respond right afterwards? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because yeah, I don't think I don't think there's uh, there's this whole idea of healing versus heal. Like, are we ever healed? Like, what does that look like? I feel that, like you said, there's always the capacity of being triggered. But it's what do you do in that situation? Are you, do you have the capacity to take a step back pause and know that in this moment this isn't that Mm -hmm. are you able to determine are you able to situate yourself in the right now reality when your past decides to show up in your present yeah yeah there are so many questions I have for you (laughs) I'm trying to pick the most popular stuff that I always hear you know the concerns that that the the folks are always sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one that's a, a common challenge mm-hmm. uh, for couples. The the man and the man, or the man or the woman and the woman, or the man and the woman mm-hmm. who decide to enter into a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they get married. Maybe they agree to be life partners. Um, and then someone they're no longer or actually no let me back up they were never equally yoked sexually okay but they decide to enter this relationship um and so once they're in the relationship the formal serious relationship 
-hmm. it becomes a problem mm -hmm. that maybe she doesn't like to have sex as much as he does, or he doesn't have, he doesn't like to have sex as much as she does. What's your advice to people who are dating? Mm -hmm. Is sex important? Is that a conversation we should be having with one another? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you say? Yeah, if it's important to you, then it's important. You, you know what I mean? It's not, it might not be important to everyone. So if it's important to you or not, that needs to be a conversation you have with whoever your potential mate is. Because if you are not equally yoked when it comes to that, is that something you can navigate? Is how important is it in the overall relationship? Is it at the top of the list? If so, then you are setting yourself up for potential issues if you're walking into that situation knowing we're not compatible in this way and we're telling ourselves we're trying to convince ourselves that it's going to be all right and then you get in it and now it's issues just I like to say you know I use my vernacular from Chicago keep it a hundred keep it a stack you know what I mean <laughs> with one another and say this is important to me and be willing to move around and find someone who is equally yoked but the thing about it people feel like I'm afraid if I leave this whatever this is, then I probably won't find that, whatever that is. So people allow fear to keep them in positions that might not be in alignment with who they are. Yeah. So do you think that should be a conversation that's engaged during the courtship? Yes, I do think so. Now, should it be like the first conversation? I mean, I guess that depends on the people, but it definitely needs to be a conversation and it doesn't need to be a sexual conversation where I'm trying to get into whatever, you know, in the bed with you tomorrow, but just kind of like, I, I find myself to be a sexual being, you know, um, it's important to me. I just want to make sure we're on the same page and it not coming across as a sleeve. Sleazy, and I'm trying to get in your pants, right? right? We can yeah. have an adult conversations. I find that people struggle in having the conversation about sex and finances mm. when they're dating. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. people are embarrassed to ask about the credit score. They're embarrassed to ask about the life savings if the person has set up a retirement account. Uh, there's a certain position in the relationship you will um, you'll level up to, or I guess um, you'll develop, you'll get into that position and you'll know when to ask those types of questions, but mm -hmm. they are appropriate. So mm -hmm. I want people to know that if you're in a serious relationship with someone and you see it going somewhere, um, somewhere that means life partnership, a marriage, something like that, you deserve to talk to one another about sex and finances, as well as parenting. Yes. Because I, I think those three things are uh, the catalysts that create problems in a relationship. Mm -hmm. What else would you add to that list? To finances, sex, or bedroom talk, um, parenting styles or skills. What else is a common situation you may have seen with your couples? So like the more mundane stuff. Who's going to clean the house? Who's going to cook the food? You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like that become an issue. Like who's making dinner tonight? It's like, it's your turn. You know, those type of things can become, because you're bickering about it all day long and it becomes a headache. So those are things that I see. Um, hanging out with your friends, spending quality time. What does that look like? Yeah. You know, that can become an issue too, because if he's hanging out or they're hanging out with the bros or the fellas or their friends, or mm -hmm. you're always on a girl trip, and then it becomes a <laughs> You always on a girl trip. <laughs> So, you know, having conversations about quality time, what does that even mean? You yeah. know, you might think 
us cooking dinner together is quality time, I might not. So do we have that in common? Do we share that language or that vision of what Mm -hmm. these things are? Yes, yes. So guys, if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to this lady who is a featured and keynote speaker. She's been a keynote speaker in numerous summits. She's a Black mental wellness workshop facilitator, a creator of professional development. Yolinda Rockman is often requested by her peers in progress to conduct workshops on behalf of their communities, grace their stages, and impart her wisdom and unique ability to inspire. She's the founder and CEO of two LLCs, Mind Your Mento and Heal on Purpose. And if you missed the introduction in the beginning, this is the lady who's going to engage the uncomfortable talk, the chats and the discussions that people don't want to have. Shout out to... Um, Angie, Angela Brinson and her husband, uh, we had like a dating game thing and I'll never, ever forget her husband, who is actually a coach. Um, he mentioned a coach for men. He said people have to have the fucking conversation. Excuse my profanity, but you got to explicitly state it like that. So people understand you have to have the bleeping conversation. You yes. got to have the hard talk. You got to talk about certain things. When things are not going well in the bedroom, you got to talk about it. And what we talked about in the beginning of this interview is that um, folks have issues with trauma. And uh, Dr. Rockman specializes in sexual traumas. She is a researcher of sexual trauma, therapeutic BDSM, and a creator of resources for sexual trauma healing. Go to her website, Yulinda Renee, which is Y-U-L-I-N-D-A, that's D as in Delta A, R-E-N-E-E.com. She has her doctorate in clinical sexology. So she is definitely the expert for this conversation we're having here. So we talked about a little bit about trauma. That's such a, a a private conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't want to exploit it, which is why I just scratched the surface a little bit. What would you say to someone who has trauma to encourage them to get them started? Why should they do this? Why should they engage trauma therapy? Because they're worth it. They're worth going through the process of healing and leaning into it. And I always invite them to start with self-awareness, right? Because Again, like we said before, we often aren't even aware of the things that we need to begin to heal. So just paying attention to yourself. Are you noticing any patterns? You know, are you noticing if you are triggered, how do you respond? Do you get a glass of wine? Do you go to the gym? Do you go to the drive through Just really paying attention. The first part I say is data collection. No judgment, just paying attention, collecting the data, and then you'll sort through it and say, oh, when this happens, I tend to do this. Mm-hmm. Is that productive? Does it help me? No, it don't. Or maybe I should do something different, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. just investigating, being a researcher of self. So you said data a collection? Data collection. Collect, no, collecting the data. Oh, All data. I yes. thought you said date a collection. I was <laughs> like, you know, why do I tell people that too? To have a starting lineup so you can deduce and, you know, you know what you're looking for in a relationship. Don't just get out here thinking, okay, I'm going to have one man or one woman, and that's what I'm going to do for five years, because you will never learn yourself. True. Like, True. you will never learn. You got to, you have to learn yourself by um, engaging in different situations with different people. And I mean, romantically and personally, I'm not saying you have to sleep with all of these people, mm-hmm. but I sure thought you said date a collection. <laughs> it must have been meant for you to bring that whole little tidbit up in here at that time. 
that's hilarious and also yes <laughs> oh so you agree with that I do I co-sign all day long yes yeah so we we should have a starting lineup a back uh, uh, um some folks coming off the bench yes got your starters or whatever and then eventually you know you'll 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 break it down to one person one or two people or whatever whatever mm -hmm. you're searching for whatever you're trying to do yes Yes, that was funny, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so funny when you talk about that because that's a whole different ball of worms too because women aren't allowed to do that, right? We can't we can't go out here. Talk and... about it, sis. Talk about <laughs> it. Why can't we do it? Why? Oh, because there's so, oh, see, I, we can go so many places. You know who I already think Go of. there. Take it there. Let's go those places. <laughs> What's Steve Fiery daughter name? Lori. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because if you're out here dating with intention, or if you're just dating for fun, then automatically you get labeled as what? Uh, use a hoe, you know, uh -huh. and a hoe. And the assumption is you're you're jumping in everybody there. You have no idea. And even if she is, it's not your business. She's not doing it or they're not doing it with you. Yeah. Yeah. And let me state for the record that it is healthy to have a dating life. That is healthy. And you know what? I don't know about, see, I'm what, Generation X, like millennial, I don't know what the hell I'm at. I'm in that like 80s. We weren't taught that. We weren't nope. taught to, at least I wasn't, I wasn't taught to date. It was like, you, you find your person, you date them, you find out about them, you spend five, six years, figure out it don't work and you try. It's like, no, who got time yeah. for that? <laughs> but you know what else we were taught? We were taught to accept mm. the things that we didn't like. That part. We were taught to accept the things we didn't like and just and just move on, just drive on. You're not going to be happy. So just accept it, marry him anyway, and be unhappy for the rest of your life. Like who even starts the conversation off where you're not going to be happy, but. Yeah, we're, we're not doing that. And I encourage people because oftentimes the divorce, what's the divorce rate? Like 50%? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's hellacious. The divorce mm -hmm. rate is high. And so, you know, I talk to people about what's too early to get married, what's too early to be in a serious relationship. Your brain is still developing until you're like 21, 22. Mm -hmm. Your personality, you know, who you're becoming, that's still in the stages of development as well. Um, and then people are trying to get settled in terms of their education, their career. So, you know, it seems like, uh, and also the, the dating thing, like guys have been encouraged to date and have sex and sow their oats and all that stuff. You saw mm -hmm. coming to America, mm -hmm. King Jaffe mm -hmm. told his son, <laughs> oh, I thought you had enough ass from the bathers. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Pick anywhere in the world and go there and just do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't do that for the, the queen to be. No, they did not. No. Mm -hmm. And you see, you bringing me to my own story because I got married at 24, I believe. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about, we were told to just kind of just do it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about being happy. Just get married. I was just going along to get along. I wasn't the chick that wanted to get married, but here I am married for 10 years. So how um, old were you? I was 24 when I got married. Met him at 23, married at 24, divorced at 34. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Similar to my story, mm. except I was married at 20, a few mm. months before I turned 21. Mm. 
Mm. Son was born a few months later, and then I was divorced by the time I want to say by the time I was 30, I, I, you know, I lost track with the timeline. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it was about a 10 year, uh, 10 year marriage or whatever, by the time it was all said and done with. Yeah. Um, and so and I'm still single. Mm -hmm. I didn't remarry. Did you remarry? I didn't. I am in a relationship. And when they first mentioned marriage, I was like, Ooh, Lord. <laughs> and I was like, I've progressed because the fact that I won't, don't want to set myself on fire at the thought of marriage means that I've progressed. <laughs> so we're doing better. So yeah, I'm still on the fence about the whole re remarrying thing. I don't know. So and let's, let's talk about that really quickly before we get mm -hmm. out of here. Mm -hmm. Marriage, mm -hmm. marriage 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 and I'm not talking about it to discourage anyone guys listen yes. I know plenty of people who are happily married mm -hmm. I also know plenty of people who are happily married and one of one or the other cheats they have mm -hmm. outside relationships so does that really mean you're happily married but you know it depends like you were saying whatever the person's goals are the goal is to get married and have a family within you know, this, this relationship, um, the sanctity of marriage and to create a legacy. Most folks are more comfortable doing that after tying the knot. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you do marital counseling, premarital counseling for folks? I do. I do. Had a session today, actually. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And when they don't seem to be equally yoked, do you tell them, Hey, I, I'm, I really don't think you guys are a combat the most compatible match I think there's some things you should work out what I do is I attempt to lead them to that conclusion I don't want that to come from my mouth right so but what I do tell them is that mm. that the the relationship is they're coming to me as a couple the relationship is the client not either one of them you're not the client they're not the client the relationship is and so we're going to do what's in best interest of the relationship and if you all can't do that then we need to make some decisions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because we're not putting in the effort in order to make this relationship viable. So we need to decide if we're going to put it out of this misery or not. You guys let me know what you want to do. Have you had any couples who decided we're, we're just going to go our own way mm -hmm. our separate yes. ways? Yep, I sure have. I've had some who, and it was so funny because the person who originally came in saying, I want to fight for this after we've gone through it and all is said and done they're like you know what on second thought I don't think we're in the same place anymore and they were able to walk away amicably I've had some where it was a hot mess and it didn't but then I've had others and it was it's so interesting I've had the elders the couples who come to me who've been in it for a long time were usually the ones who walked away from counseling still intact if not strong hmm. I found that interesting wow that is interesting Mm -hmm. younger Last... folks they were struggling <laughs> oh the younger one struggled yeah a little bit yeah all right we've been talking now for almost an hour I'm not going to keep you on the couch too long I think we covered a lot um in these last 45 minutes or so what do you think about people who fall in love with perception and then we're mm. going to get out of here that that seems to be a common problem they fall in love with perception and they get hit in the face with reality at some point. Mm -hmm. And it happens to men and women. It does. 
Yeah. It's not just women who fall in love with men and they want these men to be a certain, certain way. Mm -hmm. Men do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Or we fall in love with our, with our fantasy or with our vision, you know, and we project that vision onto the people around us. And then when they can't raise to the occasion, then -hmm. there becomes an issue. Yeah. So what should we teach people about dating and, and perceptions and not falling and falling in love with a perception? I had a young lady in my office recently who has been dating her boyfriend. They lived together. They moved in together after only a few months, which I think was mistake number one. Mm-hmm. Then they created a bunch of businesses together, which was mistake number two, mm-hmm. because now you're you just you're tied to that person, although there's no no marriage. There's no marriage certificate, but you're tied to that person because you got these businesses together. You know, you're enmeshed. Um, and she told me he, he comes from a good family. His parents love each other. Um, the family seems to be a loving family. He has so much potential. I just can't get him to do this, to do that, to blah, blah, blah. And when he talks to her, he demeans her. He's belittling um, they can have a conversation when they disagree without having a shouting match, mm. you know, and I told her like, Hey, you got to figure out a way to dissolve that relationship. It's just not working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your advice for people when they meet someone they really like, they want to be with that person, but the person is not where they want them to be, mm-hmm. whether by personality, their behavior, what they're doing in life professionally, Uh, I would call it a reality check. So you would list their potential, right? It's all of their potential. You will list what is actually happening right now in this moment. What's the reality? And then you ask yourself, can I live with the reality? If nothing ever changes, if this person remains the exact same forever, am I okay with that? If the Mm -hmm. answer is no, then you have some decisions to make. Yeah. But people usually don't want that level of, reality right people like living in their in their bubble they like being in the fantasy they like living in the potential because reality requires them to make some decisions and a lot of them are not wanting to because it's uncomfortable right it's going to stretch you and so yeah a lot of us we avoid reality but that's what I would tell them reality check yeah good if nothing ever changed yep yep which is why a lot of people end up in relationships. They're cheating in those relationships. Um, they're not happy. They're going to bed upset. Their blood pressure is high. Their blood sugar is high. They can't lose weight that they're trying to lose because they got all this overwhelming stress. Guys, you have to remember your relationship, your home, that is the place you go to for tranquility. After being at work all day, you shouldn't have to go home or not want to go home because you're not going home to a loving environment or to an an environment. Because sometimes too, what we do is we don't inject love and positivity Mm -hmm. because we're not in a situation that feels good to us. Mm -hmm. So it will affect you. If you can't love this person the way they deserve to be loved, because they're not the person you thought they would become, the problem is not just them. You are a part of the problem as well. That part that part and before we get out of here I just want to let the ladies know that sometimes we're not a safe space just just keeping it you know we're not always a safe space for our partners especially we talk about the male female dynamic because a lot of us weren't taught to be 
especially mm -hmm. if we're thinking about black folks and black women we weren't taught to be in a lot of cases a safe space we might have been taught to cook clean and do all of those things but mm -hmm. when it came to being safe emotionally you had to man up tough up right and so just as we're thinking about because you know we just got to we're in mental health awareness for the men, men in mental health awareness month, learning to also be a safe space and to dismantle the patriarchy that also affects how we show up as partners in our relationship when we're in relationship with men. Yeah. Be mindful. Yeah. I love that. And I wanted that to be the last word, but someone just asked a question on the Facebook live. Um, as women grow older, does cuddling replace sex? That depends on a person. No, I, there's a whole lot of, it's <laughs> a whole lot of elders still getting it in, still getting it in. Yeah, yeah I, I have some couples in their 70s, y'all. <laughs> they are getting it. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it could, depending on what's going on, if there's some medical issues or the libido or menopause and all of that, you know, and we we haven't done anything or we can't find anything to help with that, then of course we can use more intimacy and other ways of showing intimacy and love. But no, does it have to be that way? Absolutely not. Yeah. And guys, listen, What? so what we're saying is different strokes for different folks, no pun intended with the strokes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to be creative. Think outside the box. Intimacy ain't just the in and the out, you know, that is not intimacy only. Intimacy is also hugging and kissing. Mm -hmm. Think about that in your relationships. Do you hug and kiss hello and bye every day, each day? A hug is worth a million freaking words. Mm. Hugs are so mood enhancing. They feel so good. You get energy from that hug. And especially if you're with someone who's a good hugger. So intimacy can come from so many different things, not just intercourse. Mm -hmm. Intimacy is hugging and kissing and holding hands. And he's rubbing your knee or your leg when you're driving in the car. Maybe you're rubbing him behind his neck, behind his head while you guys are riding in the car. Maybe it's you just fondling one another in the kitchen while you're cooking dinner or doing, doing the dishes. Intimacy, intimacy is so many different things. Intimacy is foreplay. It's kissing. It's lying in bed naked together. It's taking a shower together. When was the last time you showered or took a bath with your, your significant other? So there are so many different ways to be intimate. And as we get older, we do have some challenges with medical problems at times. He may have a challenge. She may have a challenge. You just both have to stay open to trying to address those things and have the effing conversation, like I mentioned about 30 minutes ago. Do the hard talk, engage the hard talk, engage the difficult conversations because it only gets better from there. And be a willing partner. Guys, don't be embarrassed about going to the doctor to get something for an erection. It may happen. There are a lot of men who are so embarrassed about that. Pills exist, meds exist, but also natural homeopathic ways exist too. Eat your beets, drink your beet juice, <laughs> mm -hmm. exercise. You may have to lose a little bit of weight depending, but do the things to take care of yourselves. Mm -hmm. Whew. Did we beat that up? I think we did. <laughs> I like how you said that. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended with that either. <laughs> yes, no pun good. intended. Thank you for coming on the show, Dr. Rockman. I really appreciate you 
Um, you were the best guest ever. Oh, thank you. This has been great. I love it. I mean, there were so many different ways we can go with this conversation and we got it on in there. Yeah. And so who knows? Soon maybe you and I will do a sex relationship conference together. Hey, I'm in with Look, in Chicago and South Florida, Miami slash Port Lauderdale. Let's and you know, I, we got to take it to Maryland too. I'm from the DMV area. So we got to have it in Maryland, but we have to have people who attend, who are willing to talk and be open. Yes. yes fellas, yes, yes. you got to be open. You got to talk fellas. Don't just leave it up to the ladies to do all the talking. So to my Facebook folks, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to stop the Facebook live. Thanks everybody on Facebook for joining us. And Dr. Rockman, thank you for taking the couch. Say brain love. Brain love. <laughs> it's the end of an episode thank you guys for joining me on my couch it's been a pleasure it's dr delvina remember every day you must have brain love balance you can't have all work and no play and you can't have all play and no work Reframe, reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs, know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations, limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership, own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Mm-hmm.